Happy Sabbath. Are you excited to be here? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's Christmas. And it's Christmas on Saturday, on Sabbath. It's one of a kind. Thank you, Rajiv and Raul. Thank you for the time you put to bless others. May God richly bless you. And today, Brother Dulo, you saw him, he's wearing Christmas colors, right? Uh, this, this brother is actually a pastor's son. Yeah, people don't know that. Uh, I don't think he knows anything else rather than just being an SDA all his life. Yep, we welcome you. We appreciate you all. Uh, God has a word for us this uh, morning, uh, actually this afternoon. It's all about Jesus, right? He is the reason for the season. Uh, it's not in the shopping, right? It's all about Jesus. Uh, you may differ uh, in the way you understand. Uh, maybe as an SDA you say, maybe he was not born on the 25th. It doesn't matter. Jesus was born. Amen. Jesus was born and we have every reason to celebrate that. Well, let's move on here. I want to say to the Fredericks, they are not here today, and I know that they are sick, and uh, uh, we pray that God give them grace and heal them, uh, the whole family, and those who are not here because of sickness, we pray for them that they will feel better. Merry Christmas. It's time to enjoy with family. Uh, loosen up a little bit, do many things, and just enjoy life. Uh, my, my life is ran behind the scene by Sister Marsha. Uh, she sent me messages over and over again. She will remind me what to say and when to say it and how to do it. And to God be the glory for such a secretary. Uh, she says this morning that uh, happy birthday to Terrence Jenkins and um, uh, Faye Chansey. Uh, Terrence is born tomorrow and Faith is born on the 27th. She wants me to wish them happy birthday. Let's go to our message this morning. Uh, it's coming from our second chapter uh, of Philippians. Philippians second chapter, verses 9, uh, 10, and 11. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and give him a name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus, every name, every knee, shall bow uh, in heaven and in things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is my prayer that before this service is over, every person here will be completely committed uh, to Christ. Everyone here will know Christ as your personal uh, savior, and in your own life, you acknowledge him as your Lord. You can get people to come forward and for the time being say that, I have accepted the Lord as my savior. But for some reason, they don't follow through. Uh, some people are like a clock, a clock that you have to shake to make it work. You shake it, 
and it runs for a while, and then it stops. If you want it to run more, you shake it again. Turn it over its face. It's a sham fast clock. The clock will run. Now, the problem is, if you shake your clock to run, I'm talking about your watch. If you shake your watch every time for it to run, that's a problem. Right? You want it to run more. If you want to run it, if you want your watch to run more, what do you do? You shake it. Who wants to sit up all night shaking the clock to make it work? If you take it to the repairman, he will tell you that that clock is not going to run properly until you get the main spring replaced. And I see that about a lot of people with their names on the church roll, they are just not going to serve properly until they get the main spring replaced. And that is that they must be born again. And then there are some who will serve, but they murmur and they whine and they complain. They would have others to believe that if it were not for them, the whole thing will fall apart. A pastor, a Baptist pastor, he pastors Highland Park Church. And he told me a story face to face. And this story happened in 1964. And the story just gripped my heart. He said, one Wednesday night, I gave an altar call, and he said, one of the nicest young ladies just graduated from a Bible college, and she walked forward. He said, Stuart, a young lady, very sweet, came walking forward and was at the altar and asked if I would come down and speak to her. He said, I got up and I went down to her and said, Rose, how can I help you tonight? And she said, Preacher, I have surrendered to go to the foreign field. She was going to go for a missionary trip and uh, I did like you to pray for me, she said. And he said, Rose, where are you going? Where are you going to go? And she said, I'm going to the man-eating people. Man-eating people. In other words, man-eaters. They eat human beings. These are cannibalism, uh, right? And this happens in Southeast Asia, in a place called Malaysia. These are barbarian men who eat human flesh, and these were cruel, disposed people. And they call them the head hunters of Malaysia. He said, now, where are you going to go? And she said, there's been no missionaries there for 11 years. This story took place in 1964. And these headhunters, these men-eaters, 
have been eating all the missionaries who go there. And there no missionaries have gone to that land in 11 years. These headhunters kept eating them. And 11 years ago, the missionaries who were there, they picked their bags and left. They ran for their lives. There were companies in there in Malaysia in a place called Banos. There were oil companies, investors from the United States of America. They pulled out three years ago because they kept eating their oil workers. And she says, I'm going to go. So she came to the altar to ask the preacher, the pastor, to pray for her so she could go for this mission trip. And the pastor's name is called David Bohr. Now, this is a strong man. He's a special force Green Beret veteran of over 500 military firefights. He has every hero and decoration that our government can give. Five times international karate championship. International deadlift weightlifting championship. The man can lift from the floor over 650 pounds. And he said, no, I ain't going to Malaysia. But this little girl, this frail, petite little girl, she's ready to go to the mission field. And she knows the people there will not be kind. She will be dinner before she even learned. And the pastor is telling me the story. And he said, all I could think is the conditions are not right. Rose, you cannot go there. The conditions are not right. Her mother and father said, Pastor, please make some sense into her herd. What she wants to do is impossible. He said, tears came down her cheeks. And she said, I know. I know they eat people down there. But you are the man of God who taught me God can do the impossible things. He said, She said that very quickly. She dropped to her knees and she bowed her head and said, please, pastor, bless me, pray for me. And the tears are coming down. And the pastor himself, he didn't know what to pray for. The pastor said, never in my life that I felt like I was putting a death sentence on somebody. He said, they're going to kill her. They're, gonna, they're going to eat her. And he said, I asked several of the deacons to come over. And he said, I put my hand on her head. And all I could think of is, God, let her die quickly. Because no mission board would send her. They said it's a suicidal mission. She said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And in 30 days, she was getting ready. In 30 days. And, and he said, I'm going to call everybody that I know and the people who love mission trips. 
so that they can join you. Whoever is willing to go with you, I'm going to look for people. You cannot go alone. And uh, she called him and said, have you found anybody, pastor? Any other lady who will go with me? Any other man who's willing to join me on this trip? And there wasn't anybody. She's going to go alone to get up to where these people are. Now, there are no roads over there in this forest, in the jungle, where these people live. You have to go in by helicopters. And they have to be careful. They can't land with the oil workers. The natives have learned with their, they've learned to, to even shoot or throw their spears. They've learned how to foil the chopper blades. And they did bring the chopper down and eat the crew before. So they said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna repel her. We're going to repel you. This girl had never repelled in her life. She's going to have to repel from 150 feet, walked to a rope, and slide down. Came the day to go. A lovely couple in the church went over with her. Some grandparents, she gets in the chopper. They flew up into the mountains. And the plan is they are going to drop it down and come back. And 60 days later, the chopper pilot and all the men looked at her and said, Ma'am, in 60 days, I'll be back, but you won't be back. They were trying to make a change in her mind. This is crazy, he said. He said, do you know what they are going to do to you before they eat you? He said, do you understand the conditions are not right? She said, I know. But she said, I've asked and I'm gone. So they dropped her two huge duffel bags down. Then they hooked her to the repair line and a seizing check. The operation pilot, who by his own words had never cried in his life, and he started crying. He said, goodbye, you will never see us again. And down she went, and Dave Boulder, this pastor who's telling me the story, said, for 60 days, I was in agony. He said, I did pray, God protect her. Oh, God be her, God and her helper. And then he did say, I did say, God, don't let her suffer. If they are to kill her, let them do it quick. God, if they're going to do in, in human things, just take her. And he said, I was in agony. Six days later, the chopper pulled back up to the clearing. And when the chopper got overhead there in the clearing, there was Rose standing there with over 70 people. She led to Christ. What nobody knew is they only eat men. <laughs> nobody knew that. And they, they, they had a legend that one day a female God would come to them out of the sky 
So that legend was over 200 years old. When she hit the ground, they started worshipping her. And she said, I'm not God, but I know I have a relationship with God. And you are to listen to me. She told them that. And she said, it was the easiest soul winning she has ever done in her life. A story that is almost as parallel is the story of Jesus. Well, I have come to tell you that the church is here to stay. The church is not going to fall apart because people like Rose, they are willing to lose their faith, their life, for the sake of Christ Jesus. You may break down, but God will protect his church. The same God who protected Rose. For the individual uh, who is really committed to Christ, is going to keep moving, is going to keep serving, irrespective of, of what happens. Our problem is getting people who are genuinely committed to him. And God has given Christ a name that's above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the hinges of his human history have turned by the strength of the insignificant man who has linked his life with the lordship of Christ. Rivers of civilization have cut new courses because of the courage of men who have come under the loving lordship of Jesus. But you know, the question is being asked today. Is this topic relevant? What is in it for us in our kind of day? Well, for the lost, if thou shalt confess that, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be served. For the municipality, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, they that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen worketh but in vain. For the nation, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. For those who claim to be committed, acknowledgement of Christ's authority must be accompanied by obedience, by absolute obedience to his commandments. Why ye call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? There are four classes of men who may be described by their relationship to the Lord. Number one, those who neither him call him Lord, nor do the things which he says. Two, those who call him Lord, but do not the things which he says. Three, those who do not call him Lord, but do the things which he says. For those who both call him Lord and do the things which he says. Now, Lord is not a word to be taken up on our lips lightly or glibly or meaningless. 
It is a title which must be taken up on our lips with godly fear. We can see what Jesus meant when he said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Everyone is mastered by someone or something. We need a strength stronger than ourselves. We need a strength strong enough to help us to stand the stresses and the strains of our struggles. And the only rightful Lord of our lives is Jesus Christ. Now, in order for him to be the Prince of Peace, a coronation service must take place. You must crown him king in your own heart. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, these are the words that that man who walked all over the pagan world and turned every house into a chapel and every street corner into a pulpit to proclaim the lordship of Christ. He lit the lamp of the gospel even in Caesar's household. He disturbed the nest of eagles and sent them screaming across the Roman sky. He honeycombed the land with the Christian church and then sat in Nero's cell in chains and conquered Rome by writing letters. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul pinned the arresting and announcement that God has given Christ a name that's above every name. And he envisions the time when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul declared that Jesus has the unqualified supremacy. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of creation and the firstborn from the dead. In all things, he has preeminence. He precedes all others in priority. He exceeds all others in his superiority, and he succeeds all others in his finality. He is the master of the mighty, and he is the captain of the conquerors. He is the head of the heroes and the lead of the legislators. He is the overseer of the overcomers. He is the governor of governors and the prince of princes and the king of kings. And he is the lord of lords. Now in his letter to the Romans, uh, Paul declared that we all belong to Christ and responsible ultimately to him for everything that we do. We live under the Lord, and when we die, we die under the Lord. Yea, the great end of which Christ lived and died and lived again always that he might be Lord both for the dead and the living. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the word Lord means having power of authority. The Great Commission itself is based on the claim of our Savior's Lordship. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The word Lord means ownership. The earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he had founded upon the seas and 
established upon the flood. You see, God met the house in which man is to dwell. He stepped back into the archives of eternity and then unrolled the blueprints to the foundation of this world. He hitched on the nothing and fasted it, fastened it by his word. He made the sun and sparked from the brilliance of his face. He made the winds from his breath and gave them headquarters in the four corners of the earth. The great God Almighty shot the stars as a million sky rockets against the bosom of the black. And he scattered fleecy white clouds against the bosom of the blue. He dug deep the gorges, piled up the hills, and propped up the mountains by his will. The moon and the stars, they lean on his shoulders. He caused the heavens to weep, and the seas and rivers became full. Creeping and crawling creatures begin to move. Not only did he make it, but he made it. And everything that he made was good. He made it without a defect in the design, without a flaw in the finish, without a grain of grit in the mechanism, and without a tremor in the movement. Not only did he make it, but he keeps it in perfect control. You see, as I move about in the world, I find men standing in their shaky boots, they are thinking that some trigger-happy fellow, people who love guns, one day they are just going to take a rifle in the ammunition dump and blow up the whole world. No, it's not so. This world is in God's hands. He owns it and it's his. When God gets good and ready, he is coming again, lying down as the architect of the universe, with a big bunch of keys in his hand, and he's going to look modern man in face and say, gentlemen, it's closing time. You see, the God gets ready. When he gets good and ready, he's going to bring thing, all these things to pass. You see, he supplies every vitamin for the body, every brain cell for the mind, every light ray for the soul. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. His lordship is based on his ownership. He made it, he owned it, he keeps it. Now, he didn't have to put his signature in the corner of the sunrise. He's not going to get his sunrise mixed up with anybody else. He's the owner. He didn't have to put a laundromat in the lapel of the middle. He's the owner. He didn't have to curve his initials in the, south of the, in the side of the mountains, he's the owner. He didn't have to put a brand on the cattle of a thousand hills. He is the owner. He didn't have to take out a copyright of the songs that he gives the birds to sing. He's the owner. Beyond the human level, the word Lord stands as a reverent allusion to God. The Orthodox Hebrew in Jesus' day, as in our own, would not even pronounce the sacred name of Jehovah God or Yahweh. Instead, when he read the sacred and incommunicable name of God, he would simply say, the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord our God is one Lord. Now, Christians have applied uh, this title to Christ in letter usage. On either the human or divine level, this title, Lord, stands as a mark of respect 
and implied pledge of obedience. One Simon Peter stood before a hostile crowd and said, God has met that same Jesus whom you, you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now Christ represents the thing that God has done to redeem us. Lord represents the things that we are, we ought to do because we are redeemed. We ought to call him master and be obedient sons and daughters to him. We ought to call him owner because he possesses absolutely our lives. In him we live, move, and have our being. We ought to call him father and be obedient sons and daughters for he is our only hope and is our only help. God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore shall not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the seed of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall be there right early. The heathen raged, and the kingdom were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he had made in the earth, he maketh the walls to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Jesus is Lord because he came down the stairway of heaven Born in Bethlehem, hid in Egypt, brought up in Nazareth, baptized in Jordan, tempted in the wilderness. He performed miracles by the roadside. He healed the multitude and made no charges for his service. He conquered everything that came against him. He took your sins and mine and went out on Calvary, and there he died. When on that cross... Jesus said several things. But the thief taunted him and said, If you be the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself and us. To that town, Jesus never said a mumbling word. But the silence seems to say, You just wait until Sunday morning. And I'll show you, it's better to come out of a grave than it is to come down from a cross. He dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders, and he died. He really died. I don't pay attention to those swoon theory people talking about he just, he, no, he did not die. He, he died. His enemies said he died. The centurion said, surely he must have been the son of God. His friend said he died. Joseph begged his body. He died. Matthew said that the dead got up out of the grave and walked the streets after his resurrection. He died. But I don't like to stay there talking about he died. 
I'd like to rush on and say he was buried in Joseph's new tomb. Now that used to bother me. He who holds the wealth of the world in his hand, who meets out the heavens with a span, who comprehends the dust and weighs the mountain in a scale and the hill in the balance. And here he is being buried in a borrowed tomb. Well, he wasn't going to stay there long. So a temporal tomb would suffice. He just went down in the grave and stayed there long enough to clean it out, the grave, and make it a pleasant place to wait for the resurrection. And on schedule, he got up with every form of power in the habit of his omnipotence. Jesus Christ is Lord, friends. I just stopped by here this morning to tell you that he is Lord. And there's no one like him. Men have been waiting. Maybe his power is going to fail him one day. Maybe some, somebody one day is going to wrestle him from his power. Or eventually somebody who destroy his power. Well, if you are going to destroy his power, let me ask you something. What are you going to use for power? If you try to destroy him by fire, he refused to burn. If you try to destroy him by water, you walk on the water. If you try to destroy him by strong wind, the tempest will lick his hand and lay down at his feet. If you try to destroy him by law, you'll find no fault in him. If you try to destroy him by a seal from an emperor, he will break it. If you try to destroy him by putting him in a grave, he will rise. If you try to destroy him by rejecting him or ignoring him, soon you will hear this small voice saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If a man will open the door, I'll come in and sit with him and he with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the pearl from paradise. He is the gem from the glory land. He is the truth fairest joy. He is time's choicest peace. He is life's strongest code and his light's clearest ray. His purity is white as teeth. His joy is as deep as time. His glory is stateless limit. His name stands as a synonym for free healing, friendly help, and full salvation. His blessed name is like honey to the taste. It's like health to the soul. It's like hope to the heart. He is higher than the heavens of heavens. He is holier than the holies of holies. In his birth is our significance. In his life is our example. In his cross is our redemption. And in his resurrection is our hope. At his birth, man came from the east. And at his death, man came from the west. East and west met in him. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth at his name, to his name. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you leave this place, the whole story is about Jesus. There's no any other story that can be told today. He is the reason for the season. Without him, you are nothing. And my prayer for you this morning, that you receive him as your Lord and Savior. To God be the glory.
Go back home and eat, enjoy life with family. Happy Sabbath. Let's say amen again. Amen. amen. Shall we all stand for our closing song? Go tell it on the mountain. <clears throat> our heads as we pray. Father, you've been so good to us. We are very thankful that this is a high Sabbath for us to be able to worship on the day that you were born. Bless our families as we celebrate uh, the gift that keeps giving. Thank you for dying for sinners like us on a cruel cross. You left the heavens where all the angels adored you just to take this trip to come and save us from our sins. Thank you so much for loving us. Uh, bless us as we continue to fellowship in this Sabbath day. Those who are sick, we know what Jesus did every Sabbath. He will visit them and heal the sick. So we pray this morning that you will do that for our many loved ones today. Father, we thank you for the word because it tells us that in the fullness of time, Jesus was born. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.